Book Three, Canto One, The Legend of Britomartis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, go to LibriVox.org. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Three, The Legend of Britomartis, Canto One. Guyan encountereth Britomart, fair Florimel is chased, Duessa's trains and Malcaste's champions are defaced. The famous Briton prince and fairy knight, after long ways and perilous pains endured, having their weary limbs to perfect plight restored, and sorry wounds right well recured, of the fair Alma greatly were procured, to make their langer sojourn and abode. But when thereto they might not be allured from seeking praise and deeds of arms abroad, they courteous conge took and forth together yode. But the captived Acrasia he sent, because of travel long, a nigher way with a strong guard, all rescue to prevent, and her to fairy court safe to convey, that her for witness of his hard assay unto his fairy queen he might present, but he himself betook another way to make more trial of his hardiment, and seek adventures as he with Prince Arthur went. Long so they travelled through wasteful ways, where dangers dwelt and perils most did one, to hunt for glory and renowned praise. Full many countries they did overrun, from the uprising to the setting sun and many hard adventures did achieve, of all the which they honour ever won, seeking the weak oppressed to relieve, and to recover right for such as wrong did grieve. At last, as through an open plain they yode, they spied a knight that towards them pricked fair, and him beside an aged squire there rode, that seemed to couch under his shield three square, as if that age bade him that burden spare, and yielded to those that stouter could it wield. He, them espying, gan himself prepare, and on his arm address his goodly shield, that bore a lion passant in a golden field. Which, seeing good Sir Guyon, dear besought the Prince of Grace, to let him run that turn, he granted. Then the fairy quick ruck his poignant spear, and sharply gan to spurn his foamy steed, whose fiery feet did burn the verdant grass, as he thereon did tread. Nay did the other back his foot return, but fiercely forward came, without and dread, and bent his dreadful spear against the other's head. They bene met, and both their points arrived, but Guyon drove so furious, and fell, that seemed both shield and plate it would have rived. Natheless it bore his foe not from his cell, but made him stagger as he were not well. But Guyon's self, ere well he was aware, nigh a spear's length behind his crupper fell. Yet in his fall so well himself he bare that mischievous mischance his life and limbs did spare. Great shame and sorrow of that fall he took, for never yet sith warlike arms he bore, and shivering spear in bloody field first shook, he found himself dishonoured so sore. 
Ah, gentlest knight that ever armor bore, let not thee grieve dismounted to have been, and brought to ground that never was to before. For not thy fault, but secret power unseen, that spear enchanted was, which laid thee on that green. But weenedst thou what white thee overthrew, much greater grief and shamefuller regret for thy hard fortune then thou wouldst renew, that of a single damsel thou wert met on equal plain, and there so hard beset. Even the famous Britomart it was, whom strange adventure did from Britain fet, to seek her lover love far sought alas, whose image she had seen in Venus' looking-glass. Full of disdainful wrath he fierce uprose, far to revenge that foul, reproachful shame, and snatching his bright sword began to close with her on foot, and stoutly forward came. Die, rather would he, than endure that same, which when his palmer saw he gan to fear his toward peril and untoward blame, which by that new rencounter he should rear, for death set on the point of that enchanted spear, and hasting towards him gan fair persuade, not to provoke misfortune, nor to wean his spear's default to mend with cruel blade, for by his mighty science he had seen the secret virtue of that weapon keen, that mortal puissance mote not withstand, nothing on earth mote always happy been. Great hazard were it, and adventure fond, to loose long-gotten honour with one evil hand. By such good means he him discounselled, from prosecuting his revenging rage, and ache the prince like the treaty handled his wrathful will with reason to assuage, and laid the blame not to his carriage, but to his starting steed that swerved aside, and to the ill purveyance of his page that had his furnitures not firmly tied, so is his angry courage fairly pacified. Thus reconcilement was between them knit through goodly temperance and affection chaste, and either vowed with all their power and wit to let not others' honour be defaced, of friend or foe, whoever it embased, nay arms to bear against the other's side, in which accord the prince was also placed, and with that golden chain of concord tied, so goodly all agreed they forth if fear did ride. Oh, goodly usage of those antique times in which the sword was servant unto right, when not for malice and contentious crimes, but all for praise and proof of manly might, the martial brood accustomed to fight. Then honour was the meed of victory, and yet the vanquished had no despite. Let later age that noble use envy, vile rancour to avoid and cruel circuitry. Long they thus travelled in friendly wise through countries waste, and eke well edified, seeking adventures hard to exercise their puissance, we long full dernly tried. At length they came into a forest wide, whose hideous horror and sad trembling sound full grisly seemed. Therein they long did ride, yet a tract of living creatures none they found 
save bears, lions, and bulls, which roamed them around. All suddenly out of the thickest brush, upon a milk-white palfrey all alone, a goodly lady did forby them rush, whose face did seem as clear as crystal stone, and eke through fear as white as whale's bone. Her garments all were wrought of beaten gold, and all her steed with tinsel trappings shone, which fled so fast that nothing mote him hold, and scarce them leisure gave, her passing to behold. Still as she fled her eye she backward threw, as fearing evil that pursued her fast, and her fair yellow locks behind her flew, loosely dispersed with puff of every blast, all as a blazing star doth far outcast his hairy beams and flaming locks dispread at sight whereof the people stand aghast but the sage wizard tells as he has read that it importunes death and a doleful dreary head so as they gazed after her a while lo where a grisly foster forth did rush breathing out beastly lust her to defile his tireling jade he fiercely forth did push, Through thick and thin, both over bank and bush, In hope her to attain, by hook or crook, That from his gory sides the blood did gush. Large were his limbs and terrible his look, And in his clownish hand a sharp boar spear he shook. Which outrage, when those gentle knights did see, Full of great envy and fell jealousy, they stayed not to advise who first should be, but all spurred after fast, as they mote fly, to rescue her from shameful villainy. The prince and Guyan equally belive, herself pursued, in hope to win thereby, most goodly mead, the fairest dame alive, but after the foul foster Timius did strive. The wiles fair Britomart, whose constant mind would not so lightly follow beauty's chase, ne wrecked of lady's love, did stay behind, and them awaited there a certain space, to weet if they would turn back to that place, but when she saw them gone she forward went, as lay her journey through the perilous pace, with steadfast courage and stout hardiment, ne evil thing she feared, ne evil thing she meant. At last is nigh, out of the wood she came, A stately castle far away she spied, To which her steps directly she did frame. That castle was most goodly edified, And placed for pleasure nigh that forest side. But fair before the gate a spacious plain, Mantled with green, itself did spread and wide, On which she saw six knights that did darain Fierce battle against one, with cruel might and main. Mainly they all at once upon him laid, and sore beset on every side around, that nigh he breathless grew, yet not dismayed, nay ever to them yielded foot of ground, all had he lost much blood through many a wound, but stoutly dealt his blows in every way to which he turned his wrathful stone made them recoil and fly from dread decay that none of all the six before him durst assay like dastard curs that having at a bay the salvage beast embossed in weary chase dare not adventure on the stubborn prey 
ne'er bite before but roam from place to place to get a snatch when turned is his face in such distress and doubtful jeopardy when britomart him saw she ran apace unto his rescue and with earnest cry bade those same six forbear that single enemy but to her cry they list not a linden ear ne aught the more their mighty strokes surcease but gathering him round about more near their direful rancor rather did increase till that she rushing through the thickest priests perforce disparted their compacted gyre and soon compelled to hearken unto peace though gan she mildly of them to inquire the cause of their dissension and outrageous ire whereto that a gentle knight did answer frame these six would me enforce by odds of might to change my leaf and love another dame that death me liefer were than such despite so unto wrong to yield my rested right for i love one the truest one on ground ne list me change she thereunt damsel hight for whose dear sake full many a bitter stoned i have endured and tasted many a bloody wound certes said she then been ye six to blame to wean your wrong by force to justify for knight to leave his lady were great shame that faithful is and better were to die all loss is less and less the infamy than loss of love to him that loves but one nay may love be compelled by mastery for as soon as mastery comes sweet love anon taketh his nimble wings and soon away is gone then spake one of those six there dwelleth here within this castle wall a lady fair whose sovereign beauty hath no living peer thereto so bounteous and so debonair that never any mote with her compare she hath ordained this law which we approve that every knight which doth this way repair in case he have no lady nor no love shall do unto her service never to remove but if he have a lady or a love then must he her forego with foul defame or else with us by dint of sword approve that she is fairer than our fairest dame as did this knight before ye hither came perdie said britomart the choice is hard but what reward had he that overcame he should advance it be to high regard said they and have our lady's love for his reward therefore a reed sir if thou have a love love have i sure quoth she but a lady none yet will i not from mine own love remove nay to your lady will i service done but wreak your wrongs wrought to this knight alone and prove his cause with that her mortal spear she mightily aventured towards one and down him smote ere well aware he were then to the next she rode and down the next did bear nay did she stay till three on ground she laid that none of them himself could rear again the fourth was by that other knight dismayed all were he weary of his former pain that now there do but two of six remain which two did yield before she did them smite ah said she then now may ye all see plain that truth is strong and true love most of might 
that for his trusty servants doth so strongly fight. Too well we see, said they, and prove too well our faulty weakness and your matchless might. For thy fair sir, yours be the damosel, which by her own law to your lot doth light, and we, your liege men, faith unto you plight. So underneath her feet their swords they marred, and after her besought, well as they might, to enter in and reap the due reward. She granted, and then in they altogether fired. Long were it to describe the goodly frame and stately port of Castle Joyous, for so that castle height by commune name, where they were entertained with courteous and comely glee of many gracious fair ladies, and of many a gentle knight, who, through a chamber long and spacious, eftsoons them brought unto their lady's sight, that of them cleaped was the Lady of Delight. For to tell the sumptuous array of that great chamber should be labor lost, for living wit, I ween, cannot display the royal riches and exceeding cost of every pillar and of every post, which all of purest bullion framed were, and with great pearls and precious stones embossed, that the bright glister of the beams clear did sparkle forth great light, and glorious did appear. These stranger knights through passing forth were led into an inner room, whose royalty and rich purveyance might uneath be read. Moat prince's place beseemed so dicked to be, which stately manner when as they did see the image of superfluous riotise, exceeding much the state of mean degree, they greatly wondered, whence so sumptuous guise might be maintained and each gan diversely devise. The walls were round about apparelled with costly clothes of Arras and of Tour, in which with cunning hand was portrayed the love of Venus and her paramour, the fair Adonis turned into a flower, a work of rare device and wondrous wit. First did it shew the bitter baleful stour, which her essayed with many a fervent fit, when first her tender heart was with his beauty smit. Then with what slights and sweet allurements she enticed the boy, as well that art she knew, and wooed him her paramour to be, now making garlands of each flower that grew to crown his golden locks with honour due, now leading him into a secret shade from his beau-pairs and from bright heaven's view, where him to sleep she gently would persuade, or bathe him in a fountain by some covered glade. And whilst he slept, she over him would spread her mantle, coloured like the starry skies, and her soft arm lay underneath his head, with ambrosial kisses bathe his eyes. And whilst he bathed, with her two crafty spies, she secretly would search each dainty limb, and throw into the well sweet rosemaries, and fragrant violets, and pansies trim, and ever with sweet nectar she did sprinkle him. So did she steal his heedless heart away, and joyed his love in secret unespied. But for she saw him bent to cruel play, to hunt the salvage beast in forest wide, full dreadful of danger that mote him betide, she oft and oft advised him to refrain from chase of greater beasts, whose brutish pride mote breed him scathe unwares. But all in vain, for who can shun the chance 
that destiny doth ordain. Lo, where beyond he lieth languishing, deadly in gourd of a great wild boar, and by his side the goddess groveling makes for him endless moan, and evermore with her soft garment wipes away the gore, which stains his snowy skin with hateful hue. But when she saw no help might him restore him to a dainty flower she did transmue, which in that cloth was wrought as if it lively grew. So was that chamber clad in goodly wise, and round about it many beds were dight, as whilom was the antique world's guise, some for untimely ease, some for delight, as pleased them to use that use it might, and all was full of damsels and of squires, dancing and revelling both day and night, and swimming deep in sensual desires, and Cupid still amongst them kindled lustful fires. And all the while sweet music did divide her looser notes with Lydian harmony, and all the while sweet birds thereto applied their dainty lays and a dulcet melody, I caroling of love and jollity, that wonder was to hear their trim consort, which when those knights beheld with scornful eye, they stained such lascivious disport, and loathed the loose demeanour of that wanton sort. Thence they were brought to that great lady's view, whom they found sitting on a sumptuous bed that glistered all with gold and glorious shoe, as the proud Persian queen's accustomed. She seemed a woman of great bountyhead, and of rare beauty, saving that askance her wanton eyes, ill signs of womanhead, did roll too lightly and too often glance, without regard of grace or comely eminence. Long work it were, and needless to devise their goodly entertainment and great glee, she caused them be led in courteous wise into a bower, disarmed far to be, and cheered well with wine and spicery. The Red Cross Knight was soon disarmed there, but the brave maid would not disarmed be, but only vented up her umbriere and so did let her goodly visage to appear. As when fair Cynthia in darksome night is in a noyous cloud enveloped, where she may find the substance thin and light, breaks forth her silver beams, and her bright head discovers to the world discomfited. Of the poor traveller that went astray, with thousand blessings she is harried, such was the beauty and the shining ray with which fair Britomart gave light unto the day. And eke those six which lately with her fought, now were disarmed and did themselves present unto her view and company unsought. For they all seemed courteous and gent, and all six brethren born of one parent, which had them trained in all civility and goodly taught to tilt and tournament, now were they liegemen to this lady free, and her knight's service ought to hold of her in fee. The first of them, by name Gardante Height, a jolly person and of comely view, the second was Parlante, a bold knight, and next to him Jocante did ensue. Baciante did himself most courteous shoe, 
but fierce Bacante seemed too fell and keen, and yet in arms Noctante greater grew. All were fair knights, and goodly well beseen, but to fair Britomart they all but shadows been. For she was of amiable grace, and manly terror mixed there with all, that as one stirred up affection's base, so the other did men's rash desires appall, and hold them back that would in error fall. As he that hath espied a vermeil rose, to which sharp thorns and briars the way forestall, dare not for dread his hardy hand expose, but wishing it far off his idle wish doth lose, whom when the lady saw so fair a white, all ignorant of her contrary sex, for she her weaned a fresh and lusty knight, so greatly gan enamoured to wax, and with vain thoughts her falsed fancy vex. Her fickle heart conceived hasty fire, like sparks of fire which fall in slender flecks, that shortly brent into extreme desire, and ransacked all her veins with passion entire. Eftsoons she grew to great impatience, and into terms of open outrage brust, that plain discovered her incontinence, ne wrecked she who her meaning did mistrust, for she was given all to fleshly lust, and poured forth in sensual delight, that all regard of shame she had disgust, and meet respect of honour put to flight. So shameless beauty soon becomes a loathly sight. Fair ladies, that to love captivate are, and chaste desires do nourish in your mind. Let not her fault your sweet affections mar, ne blot the bounty of all womankind, mongst thousands good one wanton dame to find. Amongst the roses grow some wicked weeds, for this was not to love but lust inclined, for love does always bring forth bounteous deeds, and in each gentle heart desire of honour breeds. Not so of love this looser dame did skill, but as a coal to kindle fleshly flame, giving the bridle to her wanton will, and treading underfoot her honest name. Such love is hate, and such desire is shame. Still did she rove at her with crafty glance of her false eyes that at her heart did aim and told her meaning in her countenance. But Britomart dissembled it with ignorance. Supper was shortly dight, and down they sat, where they were served with all sumptuous fare, whilst fruitful Ceres and Lyaeus fat poured out their plenty without spite or spare. Naught wanted there that dainty was and rare, and I the cups their banks did overflow, and I between the cups she did prepare way to her love, and secret darts did throw. But Britomart would not such guileful message know. So when they slaked had the fervent heat of appetite with meats of every sort, the lady did fair Britomart entreat her to disarm, and with delightful sport to loose her warlike limbs, and strong effort but when she mowed not thereunto be won. For she, 
Her sex under that strange report did used to hide and plain appearance shun, in plainer wise to tell her grievance she begun, and all at once discovered her desire, with sighs and sobs and plaints and piteous grief, the outward sparks of her inburning fire, which spent in vain, at last she told her brief, that but if she did lend her short relief, and do her comfort she mote all gates die. But the chaste damsel that did never prief of such malingen and find forgery did easily believe her strong extremity. Full easy was for her to have belief, who by self-feeling of her feeble sex, and by long trial of the inward grief, wherewith imperious love her heart did vex, could judge what pains do loving hearts perplex, who means no guile, beguiled soonest shall, and to fair semblance doth light fair annex the bird that knows not the false fowler's call into his hidden net full easily doth fall. For thy she would not in discourtesy wise scorn the fair offer of good will professed, for great rebuke it is love to despise, or rudely sdain a gentle heart's request, but with fair countenance as beseem it best her entertained, natheless she inly deemed her love too light to woo a wandering guest, which she misconstruing, thereby esteemed that from like inward fire that outward smoke had steamed. Therewith a while she her flit fancy fed, till she mote win fit time for her desire, but yet her wound still inward freshly bled, and through her bones the false instilled fire did spread itself, and venom closely inspire. Though were the tables taken all away, and every knight, and every gentle squire, gan choose his dame with Basiomani gay, with whom he meant to make his sport, and courtly play. Some fell to dance, some fell to hazardry, some to make love, some to make merriment, as divers wits to divers things apply. And all the while fair Malikasta bent her crafty engines to her close intent. By this the eternal lamps, wherewith high Jove doth light the lower world, were half is spent, and the moist daughters of huge Atlas strove into the ocean deep to drive their weary drove. High time it seemed then for every wight them to betake unto their kindly rest, eftsoon's long waxen torches were in light, unto their bowers to guide every guest, though when the Britoness saw all the rest, avoided quite, she gan herself despoil and safe commit to her soft feathered nest, where through long watch and late day's weary toil she soundly slept, and careful thoughts did quite assoil. Now, when as all the world in silence deep, is shrouded was, and every mortal white was drowned in the depth of deadly sleep, fair Malikasta, whose engrieved sprite could find no rest in such perplexed plight, lightly arose out of her weary bed, and under the black veil of guilty night, her with a scarlet mantle covered, 
that was with golden ermines fair enveloped. Then panting soft and trembling every joint, her fearful feet, towards the bower she moved, where she for secret purpose did appoint to lodge the warlike maid unwisely loved. And to her bed approaching first she proved, whether she slept or waked, with a soft hand she softly felt if any member moved, and lent her wary ear to understand if any puff of breath or sign of sense she fond, which when as none she fond, with easy shift for fear, least her unwares she should abraid, the embroidered quilt she lightly up did lift, and by her side herself she softly laid, of every finest finger's touch afraid, nay, any noise she made, nay word she spake, but inly sighed, at last the royal maid, out of her quiet slumber did awake, and changed her weary side, the better ease to take. Where feeling one close couched by her side, she lightly leapt out of her filed bed, and to her weapon ran, in mind, to gride the loathed leecher. But the dame half dead, through sudden fear and ghastly dreary head, did shriek aloud, that through the house it rung, and the whole family therewith a dread, rashly, out of the roused couches sprung, and to the troubled chamber all in armies did throng. And those six knights, the ladies' champions, and eke the Red Cross knight, ran to the stound, half armed and half unarmed, with them at once, where when confusedly they came, they found their lady lying on the senseless ground, on the other side they saw the warlike maid, all in her snow-white smock, with locks unbound, threatening the point of her avenging blade, that with so troublous terror they were all dismayed. About their lady first they flocked around, whom, having laid in comfortable couch, shortly they reared out of a frozen swound, and afterwards they gan with foul reproach to stir up strife, and troublous contact brooch, but by ensample of the last day's loss, none of them rashly durst to her approach, nay in so glorious spoil themselves emboss, her succored ache the champion of the bloody cross. But one of those six knights, Gardante hight, who drew out a deadly bow and arrow keen, which forth he sent with felonous despite, and fell intent against the virgin sheen, the mortal steel stayed not, till it was seen to gore her side. Yet was the wound not deep, but lightly raised her soft silken skin, that drops of purple blood thereout did weep, which did her lily smock with stains of vermeil steep. Wherewith enraged, she fiercely at them flew, and with her flaming sword about her laid, that none of them foul mischief could eschew but with her dreadful strokes were all dismayed. Here, there, and everywhere about her swayed her wrathful steel, that none mote it abide, and ache the Red Cross Knight gave her good aid, I joining foot to foot and side to side, that in short space their foes they have quite terrified. Though when as all were put to shameful flight, the noble Britomartis her arrayed, and her bright arms, about her body died, for nothing would she longer there be stayed, where so loose life and so ungentle trade 
was used of knights and ladies seeming gent, so early ere the gross earth's grisey shade was all dispersed out of the firmament. They took their steeds, and forth upon their journey went. End of Canto One, Book Three